What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Shack podcast. Uh, today we have Joust Carey and uh, he is a Raptor pilot up in Alaska and he's working on some awesome stuff uh, outside of the jet but also uh, ripping around in the mighty uh, Raptor. Uh, but we got Bender here today and uh, Standard Admin. Thank you everybody for all your donations. Like, share, subscribe even though Tron says it's not necessary to tell you. I'm going to repeat it uh, because we always talk about that. Uh, and then um, let us know what you think about the podcast, uh, info, kodiakshack.com. And uh, Kodiak Shack, also the Kodiak Shack hats are available. And uh, just for all you uh, diehard listeners out there, uh, I've got a big month or two coming up in the near future, so uh, we may have some spotty uh, releases of episodes. Uh, so I apologize if we don't have our every, every other week release, uh, but we will keep putting out podcasts when I have time. So uh, Bender, thanks for being here. Joust. Happy to have you, and uh, tell us about yourself. It's not a trap. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, Like I said, I'm a Raptor pilot up in Alaska. Um, Went to school at University of Colorado. Sco Buffs, Coach Prime, turning that program around. Uh, (laughs) Exciting times right now. Um, Went to pilot training down at Columbus. Had to do a penalty lap as a FAPE. Uh, Then got picked up uh, for Raptors, went to Langley. Now I've uh, been at Elmendorf for about mm, two and a half years in Alaska. Uh, just had a second kiddo, so sleep is at a premium right now in the carry house. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then I'll be joining the Vang in the, in the spring. Nice. Well, Bender and I were both uh, Columbus guys, and Bender was actually a fape out there, so you guys yeah, must have just I, missed I, each other. I know all about that. Oh, no. were you? When, yeah. when were you a fape there? Uh, I left in 12, 2012. Okay. So, so I was... I started in 12, I guess my FAPE tour started in 13. Okay. So I was a student when you were finishing up. Just high five, yeah. That's, That's right. <laughs> so you're not related to Stash Carey, I assume, but he went to- I am not, but I know Stash Carey very yeah, well. He went to he Colorado was, as well, right? He did. That's right. Yep. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen him in a while. I think the last time I saw him, I actually ran into him in New Orleans. I was like with my wife just walking down. Uh, one of the streets, and we just, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? Uh, but yeah, I know Stash. How do you know? Did you? I guess he was. You guys were Viper guys together. with us, yeah. Yeah, CP. He's like our our wingman lead, punk lead. He didn't like us very much at that time. I mean, because well, we did, but we were kind of dead yeah. weight. So for sure, we were terrible lieutenants. That's for certain. Yeah. No such thing. Yeah, <laughs> first lieutenants ever that were bad. Yeah. But, uh, well, awesome. Well, so uh, so right now, the other day we were talking about some uh, Raptor BFM. So uh, I imagine flying the F-16, the Raptor seems to put a hurt on people even more so. Uh, how is how is Raptor BFM? Uh, so it definitely makes up for the pilot. You, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you kind of forget how great of a jet it is, right? And then um, when you get to fly to similar... Um, they're, you know, it's such an incredible platform that um, it can definitely make up for pilot error. It's way more forgiving than some other platforms are. Um, but I think a lot like the Viper, I mean, once you get on the pain train, uh, it just it just will not slow down. Um, I was doing, uh, I think, I guess it was Combat Perch the other day. And we just got into like 8G constant turn. Um, and after about a hundred, maybe, I don't know, three, uh, 360, I was just like, oh my, like this still is happening. It's my first flight back from baby leave. Just <laughs> in so much pain. It's like, why are we doing this? Uh, I mean, it's awesome. It's a great aircraft. Um, but, uh, 
um, uh, it, I mean, it's a ton of fun to fly, but for sure, like I think what young guys don't appreciate because they only fly with Raptors is, um, you know, they beat their chest, but a lot of that is the jet, right? It's not just, you know, it, it makes up for a lot of operator mishap or not mishap, but skill. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I feel you because I just transitioned to the C model this last year and uh, yeah, the a lot of the sim instructors were old F-16 dudes who uh, were then C model guys and now C model instructors and they'd be like, hey, you can't just pull and try to stay awake. Like you act, actually have to fly the jet and very frequently I'm you hear me in my tapes saying like, go, 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 like yelling at the jet to, because it's not doing what I want it to and I'm about to die. So, uh, so I get that. The jet, the jet, the C model does not do that and it shows in my BFM. <laughs> the, I think the crazy thing about the Raptors when you start going into the loaded maneuvering, right? Cause it's all fly by wire. And so when you put in a control input, depending essentially what alpha you're at or what AOA you're at, it commands different flight control laws. And so it, is doing completely different things with different surfaces, which I think is the same as F-35. I don't know uh, 35 control laws, but... Um, yeah, similar. It, and so just depending what alpha you're at, literally trying to feel if, like, have you gone post-all, like, have you gone through that buffet? And as you do control inputs, the jet will start to, you know, yaw with lateral stick input, which is which is wild. That's weird. Yeah, uh, Bender, but, I, hear, I hear Bender rakes in the 35, at least against other 35. I don't lose That's right. <laughs> we just started our F, we just started the BFM uh, patches uh, every, every like you know year or two. Everyone like restarts it, and so they start it with like the youngest dude in the squadron gets BFM patch one, <laughs> and then the weapons officer gets like the last one. Or like the commander, Dia, weapons officer, and they just go by seniority. And so uh, the first week I was on baby league, but the first week they did it, they did BFM and they paired up all the old and young guys to, you know, oh, for yeah. learning, but also yeah. to give, just to give an opportunity to compete for some, yeah, compete for some better BFM patches. Yeah. So. I, I think, uh, cause Fresno does the same. And I think I'm 35 out of 40 because yeah. nobody has 36 through 40. So, uh, <laughs> Uh, I do appreciate because in the F-16 uh, and I assume the Raptor is probably more like a more C model-esque uh, the the F-16 is is it's very scripted like it's you're not going to do anything non-standard because you're both AOA limited so you're mm -hmm. you're just going to lose if you deviate from the game plan you're just going to get rolled up where the C model like you can deviate and if the dude doesn't hack it you're going to dominate so one day I was like just BFM air be damned. I'm just going to point towards the sun. I'm just going to put myself between <laughs> him and the sun. Sure enough, like after the second merge, I'm like, I'm going losing single circle, but he goes blind. And I was like, now we're winning. Lose fight, we lose fight. Oh man. Right. It was, I was like, dang, we, I should have challenged a patch on this one because uh, I would have, I would have moved <laughs> up the rankings a little bit. But. Yeah. There's, I mean, so for low aspect there, the focus is to look at, you know, obviously like what an on-time follow would be um, for the uh, offender. And that's the defender making those assessments. But especially with younger dudes, or if it's just CT, you'll say, hey, I'm going to give you, and I'm going to give you a kind of non-standard defensive reaction, or I'm going to go early as the offender or go late and to give them those sight pictures and then force those follow-on types of game plans. Um, but I wouldn't say it's so scripted, but it, I mean, it is, it's kind of the standard BFM tree, right? Where um, uh, you've got a lot of different options if late, if early, or slightly early, or slightly late, et cetera. So, which I, I mean, we, we're all C model babies essentially. So our BFM Bible is written, you know, you'll still see like, you'll say something and an older guy will be like, why do we say that? I'm like, I don't know. They're like, especially when you're like in two plug or four plug, like, why do you say that? Like, that's an egoism that hasn't been taken out. That means nothing in the Raptor. Like, yeah. oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, so. Yeah, there's, I still don't even know the, the egoism, so I'm still learning them all. But uh, I just, I keep, the funny thing is like, I don't know what the Raptor has, but like the Eagle has a JFS, um, but they call it a JFS and an F-16, it's a JFS. And so every time I'm like, oh, the JFS, and they're like, no. The JFS and I'm like, oh, okay. 
<laughs> yeah. That's like we say, like, hey, we're on a 40 scope. They're like, you don't have scopes in the Raptor. You have displays. You're not an eagle. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Or like uh, cursors and act symbols. So, like, you know, in the F-16, it's your cursor is how you designate stuff. And in the yep. C model, it's the it's your act symbols. And I'm like, yep. I, I'm going to get that wrong most of the time. We have cursors. And so it's funny because, like, we got through, like, the C model babies. We're like, everyone in the Raptor, for the most part, were C models. There's a few Viper dudes. And then it became Raptor babies. Well, now that there's, like, we're running out of, you know, they're closing down the C model pipeline. And, you know, they needed more Raptor pilots. They started pulling back in C model TX guys. And so the joke was essentially like the Air Force found out that Raptor Nation was starting to grow its own identity and get away from the C model. They're like, no, 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 no. They just yeah. injected more, more C model right. dudes back into the community. Get back in there. Yeah. That's right. They're well, losing their way. And I feel like, because I've, I've heard different things, and, I, and Joust, I wonder uh, what your perspective, because I heard, you know, obviously the Raptor, the initial cadre was C models. And then they kind of mm-hmm. got away with that and started having more just across the MDSs uh, in there. But it seems like it's mainly a C model follow-on platform where the 35, I feel like it's it's a much broader uh, initial cadre. What would, what would you guys say about that? I, I would agree with that. I, it sounds like, I mean, most, I feel like every F-35 guy I talk to, it's, it's a hit or miss if they were Viper, A-10, Strike Eagle. Um, I probably know, yeah, I mean, there's only a handful of Viper dudes that flew, uh, or sorry, Raptor dudes that flew the Viper prior um, that I know. Um, it was mostly Eagles, um, and and even their weapon schools they they work there they fly together. Um, That's true. And so it is an air dominance platform, and so it's just built like it's it's built with that mentality, and so so much of the mission set is the same, and. I mean, when, even when we talk FI, like we've gotten away from it. It's now like ideally your FI is Raptor F-35. But, you know, up until maybe two years ago, a year ago, I mean, it would be like Raptor FI 4 plus 2, C model F-22 as God intended. Like that was the, <laughs> you know, the best as you could, the best that you wanted. Um, and so it's just, that was just kind of the, the, you know, born from the eagle, if you will. But really we're at a place where unless you're a deer or a commander age type, you're a Raptor baby. Um, other than the, now the Eagle TXs that they're injecting. Cause right. we're getting away from our, <laughs> yeah. from our, from, ba- roots. from our, uh, our roots. That's right. Yeah. So I don't yeah. know, Bender, what's, it seems like you guys are all across the board. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think they did that because I don't know if they did because of the way they did the Raptor, but I think that was one of the ideas was try to get more of a representation from all the different mm-hmm. fighters. But you can definitely tell, well, you can always tell a strike. <laughs> you know, you just line them up against the wall and pick yeah. them out. Uh, so those guys are, you know, whatever. Uh, and then the A-10 pilots are bros, but they're all good. Like, all, you know, obviously at some point they all figured out. But we've had A-10 guys, you know, it's the first time like looking at a, radar scope wow. you know like trying to pick out a 3d picture of airplanes trying mm-hmm. to shoot them so that's has been interesting in the past mm-hmm. but you can tell like the block 50 dudes stand out like they're mm-hmm. the best obviously i'm sure it's the same in the raptor you can totally tell like yeah. <laughs> what uh do you guys have raptor yeah, dudes no, in your unit the viper uh not in my unit there are raptor dudes mm-hmm. floating around like bayo the yep. demo pilot she was a former raptor for yep. sure uh, not in my reserve unit, though. I don't think we have any Raptor It was interesting because when I was, like, in four flug, um, I remember my commander was like, hey, they were they were still building up, you know, F-35B course, essentially. And, like, do you want to transition to F-35? Here's kind of what that would look like. Um, and I was like, no, I, th- I think I want to stay in the Raptor. I love this jet and, you know, the community. And then now it's like the opposite where it's almost, it's very tough because the TXs are so few and far between that Raptor dudes are like, yeah, I can just go to an F-35 and it's like, no, you can't. <laughs> like, yeah. unless, unless they want you for a specific reason, it is, they, you know, they've, they have flooded the, the training gates. And so it's weird in just, you know, three yeah. or four years, how that's changed, which is good, right? It's good for F-35. What? Yeah. It seems like, oh. I, I don't, no. Sorry. 
Yeah, the F thirty five definitely doesn't have its own identity yet. I, they're working hard to try to kind of mm -hmm. get there, but you can definitely tell that it's just a bunch of different backgrounds, you know, that are that have written the pubs and have opinions on the way we're going to fight. And even our three one is just, I mean, it's kind of it's always a draft, so nobody ever knows, and then everybody has an opinion. <laughs> So we don't we don't fight as one platform yet. We fight as a bunch of different good idea theories. Yeah. So hopefully we'll get there at some point. Which I feel yeah, like it'll yeah. happen. Yeah, I feel oh, like. Hold on one second. Oh. Sorry guys. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to get in. Go ahead. Yeah, I'll mark that. The uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's all right. That's part of part of doing business. Uh, but I feel like that's how the F sixteen was uh, back before two thousand eight. You know, the F sixteen. I think they realized that having this disparate where, you know, on any given day, you can get briefed a wildly different game plan. And it's like, I don't even know how I'm going to execute that. Where then they threw down with the, like Viper standard game plan. Like on, you should be able to walk into any F-16 squadron as a current and qualified guy. And then the brief may have some slight deviations and changes, but like 90, 95% of it, you're like, yep, that all checks. Uh, because it's like it's the standards, you know, it's like squadron standards, but it's the execution standards. Yep. One of the things I heard coming out of the F thirty five TX from one of the one of our bros, he was going through. He was a Block fifty Viper dude, uh, but he was going through the TX with a C model guy. So for all those that don't know, so the F fifteen C does not really do any air to ground. Um, they uh, so he shows up to the F thirty five course, which is obviously does air to air and air to ground. And they have one, they have 40 hours. They have one week of all F-35 air to ground. And then the end of that week is their sims. So he's never, he doesn't know the difference between like, you know, laser guided bombs versus like G GPS guided bombs, 2,000 pound, 500 pound bombs, like SDB. He knows none of that. He doesn't know any fusing, any anything. And he just gets like the ultimate crash course in like air to ground. And uh, which air to ground is like, it's more simple than air to air. Like the complexity isn't there, but the weapons are, you know, I don't know how many of the F-35 so trains do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was like, I'm, I'm not jealous of that dude. Cause walking into the TX, you know, for the C model, I was like, it's literally the same, the same gun and all the same missiles. So like, you know, at least I don't have to learn anything, you know, new. But. Yeah. So, uh, so kind of to, to jump into the reason we're here today. So uh, can you guys kind of talk in as much depth as you'd like to the current simulator uh, state of the Raptor and the 35 of like, hey, what are what are those pinch points? What are those problem sets that current day sims are are causing for, for all fighters, even fifth gen? Um, yeah, so Raptor and the 35 are definitely in different spots right now. Um, the Raptors um, at the, each base have very, I would say, very good um, simulators. And so we have four domes at every base. Um, the the uh, Tyndall had more, um, pour one out, um, yeah. post-Hurricane Michael. Yeah. Uh, it still works. It still use Sims. They're in the middle of changing that. But um, they have essentially like, they're called like UTDs, like small cockpits with a, a single screen that are great for um, V coursers. And I would argue you could get a lot of use for it within a squadron. But every base has the four domes. The simulators are effects based, which essentially just means um, garbage in, garbage out, but also you know, good in, good out. So what, whatever you're loading into that model is what you're going to get out for that effect that you're trying to. And so for our training, for the most part, that is really good. Um, the F-35s are a little behind where, uh, and Bender can, can pile on obviously, are a little behind where the Raptor is for our Raptor specific or our platform specific sims. Um, those sims can also connect to the, the, a distributed network, so DEMON, where, you know, the Raptors and Elmo can connect with the uh, Eagles in Fresno and uh, the Vipers out of Madison, or I guess, are they 35s now? Whatever, whatever's at Madison, right? So pick your, pick your base. Um, and that, ha that has a lot of value. The problem is um, 
you're limited by the speed of light when you're starting to get the speed that is needed for fifth generation fighters and i would say exquisite weapon systems so even like certain things that are on you know the eagle the ex f18 whatever um and then fifth gen and beyond so thinking like ngad or whatever those distributed systems are actually limited by the speed of light and so those are some limitations that we have um i don't bender you have any pylons to that uh well you're the expert on kind of the back end i just know from a user perspective kind of our opinions on systems. but yeah you're right i think that 35 is pretty like right now our we have six i think at hill mm -hmm. that can interlink four you can get four of them yeah. together so you can do four ship ops yeah. decently the threats aren't they're robust enough, just like you're saying, individually and if they're well scripted. Mm -hmm. um, but the that's not how we want to fight, right? We don't fight as four ships. And, yeah. And F-35, definitely not an F-I. So we're working, I know they're working real hard on trying to get upgrades to our base ones so that we can connect with mm -hmm. other, you know, other entities mm -hmm. like Raptors. Yes. And so the, the, the way, like, to kind of look at, you know, target back, like what's the goal, right? And so depending who you ask and what organization you ask, they have different goals. The B course, for example, their goal is to get that guy or gal safely airborne to and from the airspace by themselves. Can they do, do they understand the basic concepts of BFM? Can they show up in the cap and not hit the tanker, right? Like super. That's, and so you set the bar pretty have, high. Yeah. <laughs> but realistically, right? Yeah. Like, you know, show up, know your blocks, understand basic contracts, and then MQT start to refine those. Um, they have the sim simulator and synthetic tools to do those game plans. Um, when you start going through your upgrades, whether it's MQT or two plug or four plug, um, I would argue that the bases, for at least for Raptor and F-35, probably have the tools to do that to a 80 to 90% solution. But when you start talking effects base, um, you may be covering up some areas where you need to improve. You know, we're overselling ourselves, or maybe we're doing better than we actually think we are because of a certain, the way it's essentially programmed. When you want to start interacting with other platforms, like force packaging, it now becomes how do you fly with C models or how do you fly with F-35s? Ideally, I do that in a simulator before I go into a you know a fight and the first time i ever have to figure out you know how to interact with another mds is airborne you know under the you know the i won't say the fog of war but the friction of live fly um fighting through comms fighting through weather fighting through whatever issue you're going on stress um if i can get that young pilot to see that uh, in that distributed network that's great i don't need the highest fidelity i just need them to understand what it's like hearing a voice he's never heard before using, you know, egoism or whatever, yeah. um, understanding the differences of, you know, when an F-16 is going to do X, when an e, you know, F-18 is going to do Y. Um, and the distributed systems can do that initial building block. So it's, you know, we got a building block. But when you want to combine high fidelity, really good training, and you want to do force packaging and you want to see how everything works together. The problem is if you do that live fly, it's expensive. Yeah. Um, the airspace is limited. And to create the appropriate threat density in both quantity and quality is almost impossible, especially if you're going to have the flexibility. And so it goes, all right, and among other reasons, you go, I want to practice certain things in the simulator. And right now that doesn't exist. That solution doesn't exist. Additionally, you know, a dome, a simulator dome costs a lot of money. I don't know what the costs are for F-35 sims. I know they're more expensive than Raptors and Raptors are expensive. Um, things aren't getting cheaper. Yeah, weird. <laughs> um, and so if you buy, you know, if I buy four F-22 domes, not only is that footprint huge, I mean, those are like you know, 25 by 25 feet and they're, you know, 20 feet tall. Um, not only are they huge, but they're expensive. And now if they're forever, that's it, forever F-22 and same for the F-35. And so like, even the domes themselves are different sizes, different people make them. 
And so if you, let's say a C model goes away, but I bought C model Sims, now I have to spend a lot of money to replace this. And so about a year and a half ago, a couple guys up in Alaska came up with this idea for the Joint Integrated Test and Training Center. And it is now uh, funded via Office of Secretary of Defense for Personnel and Readiness because it's seen as the solution to kind of what I just talked about, where large force, total force practice at a high fidelity physics-based environment. And there's a couple things um, uh, that are key to enable that. So the first you talked earlier was the joint simulation environment, um, which is the program of record for F-35 to get through IOT&E, so initial operation test and evaluation, which has been a point of contention uh, because it's still technically not IOT&E. Things have to happen here, even though they're flying them in combat. And yeah, yeah, that's a whole other rabbit hole. I'm sure Bender's got. Yeah. I'm sure, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> I'm sure Bender's got. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that old guy. Yeah. Um, uh, the so it'll use joint simulation environment, and that joint simulation environment, Chief Staff um, CQ Brown said in the spring, essentially that everything in the future for the Air Force is going to be JSE. And everything that's being used right now needs to be looked at to see if they should be JSC compliant. So things like the Raptor are going to be JSC compliant, you know, because um, it's going to be around for a while. The F-16 is going to be uh, JSC compliant uh, or capable, whatever you want to call it. And so the JITIC would use that, essentially that backbone and that environment, which is called grid, as the operating system within it. But the piece for the fighter piece is you need force flexibility. So like one day I might want to have eight F-22s and 20 F-35s and six, you know, growlers or whatever. Pick, you know, that's just a, a rough hack. Yeah. Next day I may want 20 F-22s and four F-35s. I don't know the scenario you have that, but if that scenario exists, fun. Yeah. Uh, sounds like a good time. It sounds like a great time for Raptor Boys. I don't, yeah. know, why, I don't know why. what happened, why we're only using four F-35s. Um, but to do that, you can't buy these massive domes. And so up until recently, virtual reality has been lagging what you would need for that type of fidelity. And when you look at like an Oculus or, you know, Apple's coming out with theirs, you know, all these, I would say commercial like retail for the average person, they're really cool, but they're not to the level of fidelity that you need to look inside your cockpit and read the screens. Yeah. Um, there's a couple companies right now that are working with the government that are like really close and they'll be there in the next year, May maybe two. Um, the challenge is honestly more security, which they're solving that as well. Um, and so if you can have a cockpit chair, that's just the chair, that's platform agnostic. You have your VR headset that's platform agnostic and you have touch screens around you that are platform agnostic. You can click in essentially your, your HOTAS or your stick and throttle for your platform and then it'll connect back to the software which is called a PIAB platform in a box or a JIAB, um, essentially the software for your platform. And so I can, the term coined up is like dial up a fighter. It's oversimplification but I can now adjust my force ratio literally day to day, but especially year to year as technologies change and evolve. And so we may invest in F-16s now, but in 10 years, it's like, well, do I want a room of 20 F-16s? No, you don't. Yeah. Um, you maybe want 20 F-35s, but that's a huge room. And so if you make it these cockpits that are virtual reality cockpits, you can put you know, it's literally, I mean, the math is about like four to, or no, it's like eight to one size ratio. So power loads go down, heating loads go down, cost goes down by the millions per SIM. And so you do that, but then you transition that over to, um, I would say desktop operators. That's, that's not the right, not the right term, but essentially anyone who has just a screen. So if it's an E7, an E2, Aegis, um, uh, a THAAD, 
patriot. Folks that are not in a cockpit, but they have a battle station. The idea is that you get these touchscreens that have a user interface that re reflect what you're using on Patriot or IBCS or pick a system. And so one day if I want E7s flying and the next day I want E2s, it's just soft, it's all software based. And so you can adjust it. And it ultimately, it will decrease the cost for the government a lot, but more importantly, you know, it allows commanders to have force ratios so that they, when they do a virtual flag, when they do a virtual Neptune, a virtual red flag, virtual pick your event, they have the ability to adjust those force ratios. And so that's kind of, that's the goal. One, I mean, that was a lot. Sorry, yeah, but like, no, there's there's so much there. So kind of kind of give some background and just just add uh, some color to it, kind of for everybody listening. Is uh, so if you want that training environment, you want to be more than just your four jets. You go to a red flag, whether in Alaska or in, at Nellis, and it's tens of millions of dollars is probably an underestimation to send six to ten squadrons from around the world to Nellis or Alaska for two and a half, three weeks, and then we're going to send up 50 to 70 aircraft for 10 or days. Or more. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> or more for 10 days. And we're talking millions of pounds of fuel each day. And and so literal, like tens of millions of dollars at least is happening every time we do that, and they happen quarterly at each location. And that's not including any of the other large exercises that happens. So when we're talking in a massive cost, like it is a huge cost to get this training, but it's required. Like we have to have that mm -hmm. training and the ability to train to a threat and have that fog and friction and, and that little bit of, you know, Hey, I, I only have the zero to four. So like 20 to 24 and 30 to 34 on a daily basis when it's me and three of my friends and then six bad guys, I'm not too worried about that. When there's 70 aircraft and I have a thousand feet, like I'm much more worried mm -hmm. about that. So it, it, we yep. need that. And so having this training capability, not sending people around the world for these trainings and sending them millions and millions of dollars is like, that's low hanging fruit. That's easy. And then you turn around and then look at like the sims that we talk about now, the domes. I found this out when I was at my last base at home and that the majority of the computers that are sitting in these just server racks are to run the visuals. It's not running the simulation. It is running the picture that I'm looking at. Yeah, your, your, your computer sims are probably in the back server room. And yeah. it's like six servers. You're like, that's it? It's yeah. just like, so, you know, the server problem is like a real problem. You start talking about these, the computational things you're trying to do. But yeah, when you realize how much is dedicated to, to the, I won't even say audio visual, just the visual, which is good visuals, right? It's great. But yeah. do you need that? Um, and you know, some people need it, right? Like reference, what audience? Is it the B course? Is it MQT? Am I doing emergency training? Then yeah, you probably want that. Um, but if your goal is to get like a 90% solution for the operator, so your four total force can get to a solution that doesn't exist, then hundred percent, like let's shrink it down. Let's, you know, give that flexibility. And then, I mean, again, like it's not a cost saving measure, but it saves money. So What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Well, that and you have the ability, like you said, to change your force. It can be, yep. you know, just like, so, so all fighter track people. So everyone who tracks 38s and then everybody goes on to IFF and any fighter goes to the centrifuge and the centrifuge in the most basic form it's uh it's a long arm connected to a basket and you sit in the basket and it's enclosed and you get spun around until you want to throw up and you pull anywhere from you know three to nine g's well what they do is hey oh you're going to the raptor we're going to put this seat in and we're going to put these controls in you're going to look at this so i mean we already do that in some of our training why not do it in simulators where we swap out the the stick and throttle and now it can be whatever plane you want it to be and then you plug mm -hmm. in because again we don't have all these projectors on a server rack we just have the aircraft in a in a container and and let it ride and then i'll go fly yep. the raptor sim and it'll be way fun too but yeah um, and it, it's a mindset mindset shift too like you know when we first started talking about this idea just, i mean really just 
a year uh, a year ago, not even. Um, people are like you can't do that, and it's like <laughs> why? Like why can't you do that? And then when we were at Edwards talking to their engineers about something completely different, talk, we were talking about virtual reality. Uh, they're like, we've got a Raptor cockpit here and an F-35 cockpit. I was like, up in this like random space? Like, how is that possible? Like, oh, we just like plugged in the HOTAS and put it up on a desk, like on a literally an office chair and I put a screen up. I was like, that's what I want. That's, yeah. <laughs> I mean, not that, but like yeah. they literally had the HOTAS screwed into an empty desktop and put rocks in the desktop to keep See. it from falling over. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, that seat setup probably cost them, you know, five grand maybe um with all the different pieces but like like if they can do that and you go on subreddit right or you go on reddit you can find like aviation enthusiasts who have built out their own garage one of the powerpoints i one of the briefs i give on jidic i have a screenshot of a guy who did it in his garage i was like if this guy can do it like yeah. What are we doing? Like the DOD can do this. This is not hard. I saw a guy. He had it, it was full motion. If he did an aileron roll, his little seat would roll all the way around. And I was like, this guy's got a better setup than I do that I'm training with on a daily basis. <laughs> I don't know if I would want that, but yes, yeah. true. Yeah, I know that. I'd I'd be thrown up all over the place. But the uh, so so when we're talking about getting this training and in trying to do that, because as a as a legacy platform C model, which they've been trying to kill since. I think before I was even in the military. Uh, do, I mean, we can't even train to not even today's threat, but yeah. the last threat that was the common threat, like we don't even have that to train to in our sim. So it, it is a problem that, I mean, fifth gen probably won't have that issue, but like our people who are expected to fight can't train to the most most current threats because our sims can't keep up. So I would assume this modular type process is going to now allow for more of that so um they're different the the modular part essentially think of that as enabling blue air okay and then the threat part is done by there's different programs that do it um a lot of that is held at wright patterson some of it's held at pax river um and pax river was responsible for F-35 IOT, so they're the lead for JSD. They've got an incredible team out there, really smart folks. Um, and they are designing what you're going to fight, essentially. And um, the, I would say, the beauty of the synthetic world, again, think about the cost of developing a real asset. Not only just developing, but like procuring a real asset to then go and fight against. Like, that's expensive. Right, and that takes time. But for your a couple coders or developers to go and design a a, a synthetic synthetic threat, I'm not saying that's easy, right? There's probably some developer watching this that's like, you know, how much hard, how much work that is. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying it's easy. Um, one of my buddies was talking about. It. He's like, have they thought about coding faster? Um, <laughs> can you fix the jets faster? They love when we um, say stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that idea is like you're sharing the same environment. And so what's, what's, what's wild right now is you and your Viper, or sorry, your Eagle and Bender and his F-35 and me and my Raptor at our bases are fighting different models in different worlds. And that's just not, um, you're not using any economy. You're not using any efficiency there. Um, again, like the Raptor's got a really pretty good setup right now. It's not perfect. Um, so we're trying to get to that next level. Um, but if you have a shared synthetic environment that the government owns, which is what JSE is, you can solve a lot of those problems. Now you kind of, if you don't do it, then you're kind of stuck, right? And that's the challenge is the more you expand it, the more work has to be done. But, you know, the idea is if you're in the same joint simulation environment, truly, you know, Bender and I will go fight the exact same model of the exact same threat. And then our jets will do, what our jets do differently and we'll react differently to that. And our jets will do different things to that threat, which is, again, you get on the same sheet of music, get it to as close as high fidelity as possible. Um, and that's that, that also, that not only enables the blue part, but it also makes it realistic for the opposing side, which is one of the huge value pieces of it. 
Yeah, and it's it's kind of oh yeah, Bender. Uh, well, right before you go, Bender, but uh, it's just funny that you know we pay Boeing to build a threat, you know, like a threat entity simulation, and then we pay Lockheed, and you know, and it's like why don't we just hand them the info so it's not proprietary? Uh, Bender, uh, Bender, what do you got? Uh, oh shoot! <laughs> this this is going well. <laughs> well, we were talking. About, well, you guys, Joust is currently living at sixteen percent uploaded, and Bender, you're you're at thirty percent. So it's uh, it's going to be a challenge. So uh, hang in there with us, uh, listening audience. Uh, well, Bender, what we were talking about is just the capabilities of the Sims and in how that modular piece is now going to allow for uh, not so much the threat side, but having the government kind of own that and hand that out. And then you can all, we can all train to the same threat rather than have different production of different threats for different platforms. I can't hear him. <laughs> yeah. It, hey Bender, we got we got you uh, weak, barely readable. Uh, it's probably recording just fine, so the listeners are probably like, "No, we can hear him just fine." But <laughs> they're like, "That's a great point, Bender." Yeah, <laughs> that that happened with uh, Drago and Rowdy, one of our episodes not too long ago. Uh, that we couldn't hear Drago. It was like that. But then when I was doing the editing in the back end, clear as day, and all the listeners were like, "We're sitting there like, I can't hear you." And uh, yeah, so sorry everybody. Um, but yeah, I, I, what I think is how are we going to solve? So we're not that JIDIC is now going to be a singular location. That's going to do those fights rather than having it disparate. And then we have to worry about the speed of light. Essentially. Yeah. That is a hugely contested point depending <laughs> who you talk to. Um, and I am not, I am not an engineer, so I won't, um, I won't try to act like one. Um, there's an argument about at what point does it become uh, a moot point? Like, yep, if you're a Raptor in F-35, if you're NGAD, other things, like you need to be at a certain speed. But if you're, you know, for example, does, does our space operators, do they need to be there? They don't um, because they're connect, literally connecting through space, right? And so we'll reach back to them, we'll connect to them. Same thing for cyber, right? Um, they made the point that they're like, Alaska's closer really than almost any other place you're gonna go fight. So you're kind of cheating yeah. uh, with the speed. Um, but the goal is that you have a, a full force other than with exceptions of a few players that are there and that it will complement LifeLive because you're totally right, Vader. Like you have to fly, right? You have to get that, the, the stress of a night sortie, you know, I remember the first time in the knitter at night in the weather, trying to get on a tanker, and there's no kidding, uh, 12 F-35s in trail, and I'm like supposed to be in between like the first and second four ships, Ugh. and my flight lead has an issue, and he's about to go home to me by myself. I was like, you know, you can't recreate that yeah. stress mm -hmm. um, in the sim. So that is imp hugely important. Um it's not, but it's not a replacement, it, right? It's a, it's a complementary piece. And so we're still working through like, you know, talking with, you know, other fighter pilots, mission commanders, you know, and not necessarily fighter pilots, right? Like people involved in mission, mission commanders, I would say, and go, what's the goal? And I kind of see a world where it's like, you know, we talk about live virtual constructive where you can tie in. So live fly is fighting somebody in the sim real time. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that technology is close. Um, I'm not smart enough on it to know what the actual limitations are. I think you quickly get into a place where you have to go into a vault. Um, but you know, if you can tie them in, that is, I would say the you know, best case scenario. Great. Right. If you can't get there and we're building JIDIC and Elmendorf to be able to do that. So if that technology is there, you can install the appropriate hardware. So it links up. Um, but you have like, all right, we're going to go do a live fly or sorry. We'll like, let's go do a synthetic fight. 
and you know at point let's say point you know foxtrot during the fight you know two-thirds away or one-third away through the fight something happens i want to work on this and then you go fly that scenario like all right here's the scenario you're at vol plus 135 and you go live fly that and you come back and go how did that work and then you can you know that's kind of a world where you, you could complement it or you could do it the opposite where you live fly something and, and that's where you leave off and that's where you go fight the rest of the sim and so there's different ways you can do that there are some places that already kind of do flavors of that with joint force training um but the idea is it's you know just like you have red flag alaska you fly up and your units are already there why not take advantage of it and then if you don't have these massive large force exercises like you can still go hey dude the fresno eagles are going to come up for two weeks for some bfm camp and then while they're here they're going to do jump into sim with the raptors from elmo the 35s from Ilson, um you know e7s in town and you know pick your platform we got army here right so maybe we've got some patriot and we're going to do some shore ad short defense and so yeah. Uh, it opens up just a lot of opportunity on how to like leverage the assets that already exist and fill a training gap that, that is there. Well, and it makes sense that sending people and not the platforms is way easier. You know, getting 12 Vipers across the Pacific from Misawa to, you know, like doing a yeah. AOS and tankers and all that and weather and you know, and whether at a, you know, Shimia or Corbet or whatever the problem may be, like, you know, all these. All Shimia's these... great. What are you talking about? It's always sunny. It's always yeah, beautiful. It's a, yeah. it's a vacation destination. But, uh, but yeah, you know, like, so now it's like, hey, we, we don't want to deal with a headache or in between these flags that we already do, we're just going to bring people out, commercial tickets, mm -hmm. fly them out, and then they can get training that, again, I don't think anybody in Joust maybe echo this if you agree, like, I don't think anybody's saying get rid of live fly large force no. exercises. Like it's, it's no. help them or, or add to them, you know, like to, mm -hmm. to yeah, give, exactly yeah. complement those live fly trainings with non live fly, because as a fourth gen only guy, you take off and you follow one or three to the airspace. If you're two or four, you know, like your flight yeah. lead gets you there your, your whole tactic is driven by what one or three tells me to do. But in a fifth gen fighter, you're, you're like, you know, you got your big boy pants on from day one. Like you go out there and it's like, <laughs> one's going to be 40 miles away, you know, and two's going to be holding down this lane. And, and mm -hmm. so that responsibility of a fifth gen wingman to actually run their tactic and even be directive to other four ships of other fighters, you know, like there could be one Raptor. And I, and I saw this, firsthand when I was a wingman in Misawa, we were at Red Flag, Alaska, and the uh, Raptor 2, I don't remember what his call sign was, he was the lane commander. Uh, turns out he was a he was a, a weapons officer doing an upgrade for the number one guy. But, like, he could have been a true wingman driving yep. a four-ship of F-16s doing defensive counter-air. Uh, and so the more reps that a fifth-gen fighter pilot can get is only going to be better because that – that's the world they train to, you know, like mm -hmm. two ship and four ship training against two or four like aircraft on the opposite side as red air is like, I, I don't want to say wasted training, but it's as close to wasted <laughs> training as it can get. I could imagine. So, but totally agree, but expand that, right? Like we're so good at air force training. Like if I called you, I was like, Hey, I'm going to lower 48. Like does Fresno want to do some DAC, some dissimilar, like yes, that please. would be such an easy kill. Right. Yeah. Um, What's not is integrating with the army for training, right? You know, if you go out to the Middle East or whatever, like when we were deployed, you know, us coordinating with the army was easy because it's, you need to, it's real world and it's happening. Um, but for training, it's, it's not as easy, right? And for the Navy, it's a little easier, but it's not as easy as same force. And just like the Navy, they fly together. Like we're not as good as total joint training. And if you have a joint training center it can kind of force that and give you that opportunity so that you know um surface warfare officers have the ability to practice you know cruise missile defense with someone other than a growler and an avf-35 or marine f-35 
exercise. They can practice it with strike eagles and raptors and whatnot. And so um, exactly what you're talking about with the raptor piece or fifth gen piece, but that can expand. And um, because it's it's tough and part of that is expensive to get everyone together, right? Getting someone from Masawa, getting someone from, you know, pick your base, yeah. Lake and Heath, uh, you know, Eglin, and just so many people. Uh, it doesn't happen very often. And so if you can have it, one, happen, give the the venue so you go, hey, Thad, do you guys want to send eight operators to help out with this? And it'll probably just be just like a red flag where you're getting, you know, CED orders and going, you're showing up to this and you're going to integrate. Yeah. Um, and so when you start looking at like, what else could you do? Like, what are the opportunities? Like, it gets exciting because there's a lot of possibilities. It's not saying it's easy, right? It's, yeah. it's going to be very tough to design all those things into it and build those things. But um, I think the juice is worth the squeeze because it can unlock just so much opportunity. Well, and, and I mean, I did the majority of my career, I was doing the Block 50 seed mission in the F-16. And it's mm -hmm. it's all about integration. You know, it's all about like, what does my defended asset need? What are their yep. limitations? Like, what are they afraid of? Like, uh, and then how do I support them? Like, what are they going to do? What is their tactic? And so we'd be up in northern Japan, you know, pretending like, oh, okay, mud hens are going to do this. And like, I don't actually know. Or like growlers over in the corner <laughs> jamming their face off, you know, like, are they really? Like, I don't know. But then I'd go to a flag and I'd like get to look them in the eye and say like, what are you going to do tomorrow? And they would say yeah. like, this is my tactic. And sometimes, sadly, I'd be surprised. And I'd be like, oh, <laughs> yep. okay, good. Uh, yeah. but, but the reality is like, that's what this could do around those flags like create those more face-to-face -face conversations mm -hmm. because honestly the way most of these fights are actually going to happen is a planning cell with a bunch of weapons officers who dope out a plan and then you're just going to show up probably asleep in your eyes still and you're going to be like okay what am i doing today you know and you're not going to know who what when or where or you're barely going to know that so the fact that we can we can flex this muscle and practice that more frequently He's only going to make us better at it when when the day actually comes because turns yep. out like the the sim is easier than live fly and live fly is easier than the real thing and so yep, like we we need as many reps of that as we can get so I'm no yep. I think this stuff's super important and I love like just getting the crew together and like getting to hang out and actually interact with the people that theoretically we would be you know waging war with yeah I'm I'm excited for it. and it's not so. Their Jiddick Elmendorf is not going to, they're actually, re, the VTTC at Nellis is essentially becoming Jiddick Nellis and will be Jiddick Elmendorf. And so they already have facilities and they're retrofitting their facilities to, to enable this, right? Um, and so we're kind of starting at different places where we're starting with a blank scratch pad and they're, they've got facilities, but they also have a mission. They're still training right now. And so, the idea is you have a couple of these like super regional training centers so that, you know, ideally, you know, there's like Europe doesn't have to always fly to freaking yeah. <laughs> Nellis or Alaska. That's, that's, it's cheaper than flying jets if you're going to just fly your people, but that's still a long ways to go. Um, but if you can have these regional training centers, you know, you can, you can probably increase participation uh, a little more and give, because um, each people, you know, there's different. You know, we've got the, the big J Park, the big Alaska Ranges up here. Obviously, you've got the Knitter down in uh, uh, Nellis. Um, and then, you know, there's huge ranges on the Gulf Coast, East Coast, if they're going to build one out there. So there's just a lot of opportunity. Um, and does, it won't just, so it just won't be, the goal is it's not just us. Um, it's a couple people. Well, and, and I don't know, maybe maybe you'll disagree, but I spent a good chunk of time up in Alaska while, uh, while in PACF. Turns out they like to send F-16s places. And, uh, but I think that's the best airspace on the planet. I mean, the J park is, is amazing. And, you know, just before the F 35 went up there and I was like this airspace with Raptors, not too far away. It's not the closest thing, but it's, it's not too far away. Uh, but and then 35 showing up with dedicated red air. I was like, this place is going to be, you know, it's going to be like, uh, like Disneyland for fighter pilots. It, it is, man, uh, especially in the summer when it's like daylight for 20 hours. The wintertime yeah. is, you know, 
It's, yeah. yeah, there's some limitations, but just go to um, Hawaii. Yeah. I, yeah. Um, that's what I mean for BFM upgrades. We send our guys to Hawaii or Florida for you know two weeks of just BFM straight. Um, it is it is awesome to see like we have it like we literally call it an Alaska standard, where it's Raptors and 35s know what we have essentially these fifth gen standards that we've established and um, the integration is not painful, right? And so where people are so often when you're integrating with new units, like, ah, oh, you got to learn who you're going to call, what are the blocks, what are we going to do, when's your schedule? Like, it's all doped out. And so not only have this awesome range that is in between the two of us, um, but we work together enough that it's, it is great. I mean, it's, I don't know, like, I, I agree. I think it's the best airspace in the world. It's incredible. Especially when you open it, when you, when they, when they activate the whole thing. Yeah. I can't remember how long the actual airspace, I mean, it's from North to South. It's wild. It's like, I don't know, 800 miles. That's, I don't know. It, maybe more. It's wild. It's, it's, it's crazy. Huge. <laughs> it turns out there's uh, that part of Alaska. There's not too much. There's out nothing there, so. going on. Yeah, yeah. Except that and uh, caribou calving. That's all that's happening. That's right. There. A couple the, bug smashers. Yeah. Going around at 500 a. Yeah. Luckily, I assume the raptor is uh, quite a few thousand feet above the uh, bug smashers. But the, sometimes, sometimes yeah. when you're trying to get low, you're like, hey, man. You know, yeah. I'm trying to do low ad or whatever. And <laughs> that's the only VFR. So they're all, you know, following the river up to an yeah. airport or something. The uh, one, well, and, and I couldn't agree. And it, and it makes sense. I mean, logically you say like, wait, you're saying that 35s and Raptors get to integrate super frequently and it's not this total pain. They're going to get way better at doing it. And the F-16s and Missile, which were, which were seed suppression of enemy air defenses mm-hmm. and the, the Navy growler was out there. And we worked together. And weird, we got way better at knowing what the growler was good at, what they were bad at, what we could count on them for, what they could count on us for. And and it made us better when we would end up at a flag together. We were like, I have no questions. Like, let's go. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, so what are some of the pinch points? Like, what are some of the areas where you're like, this is what we're going to struggle with making this a reality? Um, there's a lot. <laughs> um, it's, I, I think it's important to be realistic um, because like joint simulation environment, while it's awesome for F-35, like it briefs really well. And JIDIC briefs, like the Air Force is so good at like briefing, right? PowerPoints. Uh, yeah. The, yeah, we are <laughs> we, we are the chair force. Yeah. Um, it, it is not an easy solution. Um, but the fact that, you know, OSD has said, go do this um, kind of validates the game plan. Um, and so we're doing the design phase right now. And so, because I would argue this is not argue, it is a late to need capability. The way to solve for Jitic Elmendorf, remember we're just the user of the joint simulation environment for us to solve this problem on the timeline we want, we have to have three concurrent lines of effort, which is infrastructure. So designing this building, we're designing it around technologies that haven't been either invented, i.e. that modular concept, like companies have made designs, but we haven't bought any yet, right? We don't know what we're gonna decide on. Um, you know, what those touch screens look like for the E2 and E7, like that hasn't been determined. So designing a building around unknown technologies is tough. The second line of effort is figuring out what those internals look like and developing those the concept of operations. Um, and we do that in tandem with working with the assets at Nellis, Edwards, Pax River, Fallon, um, talking to Red Flag, Alaska, and Red Flag Nellis, and working through like, what did, does the exercise look like? What do we need? And then the third piece is the personnel. And we're gonna need over 100 people to man this full time. Um, and that's everything from software developers to security folks to uh, sim operators to the VR headset guys. It's a lot of people. It'll be TFI, so you're going to have reservists working a lot, um, ideally, and it's going to be contractor heavy. Um, and so all three of those kind of open up, like you could talk for a while about the different challenges. Um, the building, I think, is the easiest part. Um, we're building it on, like, we're getting waivers for timelines, like just accelerating this thing pretty pretty rapidly um 
and we're taking lessons learned from all these other sites. And so I, I, that part is, will be good. Um, I think the two big pinch points are people, meaning this was a, this is a new idea. And to develop JSC, it takes, it's gonna take literally hundreds of people to get it to where the Air Force wants it, right? So uh, General Brown said, we're doing this and it, this is happening. To make it a priority, the DOD and the Air Force have to make it a priority. You have to put in people to work on it. And that is tough because you're not just pulling, it's not like random folks. It is high level, um, you know, master's level software engineers and developers. You're competing with Microsoft. You're competing with Apple. You're competing with, you know, pick a software company. Um, that's not easy. The government's not great at that. Yeah. So that is a huge challenge um, to making it a reality. Um, similarly, I think with the internals, you know, I went to a, essentially an industry engagement piece and I was, I was like there on behalf of pack out all the magic comes through there and one of the frustrations totally valid from industry was like you guys are all over the place you being government he's like you guys are you know herding cats like you're, you know one department saying this another department saying this you're spending money on the same solution double and they're totally right um we have to get better at aligning efforts and we are so bad at that um yeah. And that's, you know, that's not just one person. That's just the fact that we have this huge bureaucracy. And so when you pick any cool technology, like, you know, virtual reality is a great example. Like, oh, this is a cool thing. You know, pilot training, you know, they did a lot of work on that. But the work they did on it is not, they're not solving the same problem we're solving. But then you have like the Navy's trying to solve high fidelity stuff. They're doing a great job. Aflotech's trying to do stuff, AFRL's, you know, everyone's trying to do things because they have kind of similar but different charters to go solve stuff. Yeah. And so that's a lot of manpower. It's a lot of money. If you can align that, man, we can just solve some problems pretty quick. Um, and so I think those are the two big pinch points for the DOD because that doesn't just affect JITIC. That will affect all these types of, I would say, next-gen simulation or synthetic training. Um, cause if we're, again, if we're not, you know, would your fight work Would a fight work if everyone was doing their own thing, you know, there needs yeah. to, if you're not on the same game plan, you don't have to understand the same contracts, you know, you're, you're going to fail. And that is, I think, very true and very, like, that's what we're doing in the government. We are not efficient. I feel like every week I find a new person who's working a problem that's already been solved or someone else is working that same problem. Like, have you guys not talked? Like, yeah. you know, it's like, they have not talked. Yeah. yeah. We're <laughs> the same thing. Like, how is this happening? Well, and I think that's – it's good when we have, like, multiple weights of effort because then, like, if somebody's idea doesn't work out but somebody else's does, but the fact that they don't know that they're working to the same end, you know. And, 100%. But, yeah, and I've said this before and I'll say it again. Like, the four Raptors are not going to win the war. Four 35s are not going to win the war. Like, it is the might of the entire DOD that is going to overwhelm and win whatever is the next challenge. So, like, we have to train that way on a daily basis. And I think the F-35, and I don't know how the Raptor does, but uh, the F-35, they train, like, any missionized scenario, full mission planning cycle. Like, they are do they do an MPC, and they are, like, we are planning as if this is a, a large force uh, employment because that's what it's really going to be like. And that's, you know, and, and be good at that because they picked up that charter from the F-16, from the 16th weapon school, and now the 6th has it. But, uh, well, heck, well, we're uh, we're getting long in the tooth here. But, uh, Joust, thanks again for being here. I, I appreciate you uh, sharing all this info with us. And uh, is there any way people can kind of find out more information about what they're doing up in Omendorf or uh, any websites, anything like that? So <laughs> I don't have an official website. Um, <laughs> Um, so the project's owned by Third Wing, um, with sponsor from OSD. Um, if you, uh, I have to think about that. I don't know. We don't, it's all been essentially through direct government channels or different contracts. Um, if you, I mean, 
honestly, if you just Google JITTC, J-I-T-T-C, that's probably your best bet for just seeing any of the articles and work that's been published um, on us. Um, I don't know if, should I put my, my email out there? Nah, what's oh, all right. Okay. People can people can look and uh, check the uh, JITIC, <laughs> and we'll get some links and stuff. And uh, and if they want to, you know, find a way to reach out because we got some military people, we've got a you know government contracts, all those kind of people listening. Mm-hmm. So if you think you can help make JITIC a reality and help today and tomorrow's force, like reach out. Uh, all yeah, right. absolutely. Every I appreciate it, Vader. Thanks for the time, man. It's been awesome. Yeah. All right. Bye, everybody. Hey, uh, don't forget. I always forget the admin standard, uh, but like, share, subscribe, info at KodiakShack.com. Tell us uh, how we're doing, good or bad. Uh, And then KodiakShack.com where you can get our hats or listen to the podcast, apparently. I don't even know it's on the website. Uh, But all right. Thanks again, Jeff. See you, brother. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com purpose. Parker, engineering your success. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.